broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Glad that you have joined us this weekend. Uh, we got a great show planned for you. We're going to bring you up to date on a major construction project that uh, you have seen uh, happening near the intersection of Range Line and uh, I-70. Uh, very pleased to welcome the general manager and CEO of the Boone Electric Cooperative, Todd Colley. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here, Fred. Always a pleasure. Well, it's uh, you got a lot of things going on, and there's been a lot of stuff in the news in the last couple of weeks about you know electric vehicles, the electric power grid, and so we have plenty to talk about uh, today. But you've been on the show a couple of times, but I thought it, this is a good opportunity for you to sort of remind people about your background, where you came from. Sure. Well, born in central Indiana and grew up in Boone County, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, very much enjoyed that. Uh, just outside the city of Indianapolis, so we kind of had the both or the best of both worlds. Yeah. And, and uh, attended uh, college, and and interesting enough, at least to me, uh, <laughs> I uh, was a wood science and technology major and a forestry major when I first started out at Colorado State University, and then at one point there transitioned over to a business program. Yeah. And, and then graduated later with a with a business uh, degree. Yeah. What made you pick uh, Colorado State? Well, obviously the weather. Yeah. Uh, just love it. Yeah. Every month of the year, you could you could find something to do. Yep. And, and uh, you know, great people. And you know, this would have been a number of years ago now. And and uh, in Colorado, twenty thirty years ago was a different state. Yeah. Was this before Belgian Brewing, or was it had, had yeah. Belgian Brewing gotten a start? I wasn't much of a drinker, so it uh-huh. was probably pre-Belgian <laughs> brewing and, and others. But, you know, since then, of course, Coors is there in the Golden yeah. Area. Yeah, And uh, there's been some other ones up by uh, Fort Collins. And, yeah. And, uh, and it is popular. I can remember, you know, the drinking age was 18. Yep. And uh, just a beautiful place, wonderful culture, and, yeah. and uh, people really, do. people really enjoyed that sunshine. Yeah, gorgeous place. Well, uh, you have been here. We just uh, uh, shared before the show. You're coming up on 15 years in your current position, correct? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, 30 years in the industry, and uh, mm-hmm. so you're becoming an old man. Yeah, thank you very much. If if, uh, if if only to keep coming in to hear that, I can't tell you to what degree I appreciate that statement. But but it goes it goes quick. I yeah. and uh, got a great relationship here, as you all know. I report to a board of of nine, and and uh, proud to be a part of that. And I hope yeah. to do another fifteen yeah. right got here. A great team uh, working with you too. And and sure. uh, so uh, I think of of great interest uh, to people is this uh, construction project that you have uh, underway. Uh, it is. Is uh, really shaping up to be a beautiful building. Uh, tell us a little bit about your your construction project. It really is. Uh, again, we've been fortunate to partner up with um, a lot of local folks mm-hmm. in the construction of this, and that means so much. And and uh, Coil Construction again, I can't say enough about them and the fine people they've got working for them. And then they have a relationship with many other subs. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's going it's going very very well. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts and pieces to yeah. to this project, and and uh, so it's always a challenge. But 
things are things are going really well. We're looking forward to opening that up, hopefully later this year, to the public. So stay tuned for uh, news as far as us having an open house. Yeah. And, and uh and inviting the public in there because we've we've done a lot of this with their interest in mind yeah i uh was looking at uh, your website and you have a pretty good uh up-to-date uh summary of your construction project and and as you go through the laundry list of the vendors that you're using i i it looks like 99 percent of them are from columbia from boone county uh which is impressive e- even two local architecture firms are involved in the project and, and i think that that is you know we as business people, we don't see that as often as we should in Columbia. The, a lot of the bigger projects, like what you're doing, is a is a twenty nine million dollar project or twenty seven million dollars. You know, those often get sent out to the big companies out of town. But you really have done a great job of keeping those dollars local. So that is greatly appreciated. And it's our. I mean, that's that's one way we can manifest, mm-hmm. so to say, what our principles are and that commitment to the community and and finding ways to serve the members. Uh, it, it, this is just another way to do that because these dollars, for the most part, are staying right here in the yeah. community. They're being recirculated, yep. and uh, it's going to help enhance uh, that that district, the community improvement district that we're involved with yep. uh, through that neighborhood. And, and our board's taking a long-term stance that that's where they want to be. This is how they want to do it. We're, we're, I've got a great team, my staff, the employees, and uh, we're making it happen. But, again, these... These companies like Connell Architecture yeah. and, and and Simon Oswald Associates yep. and and Coil Timber Construction, yeah, yeah, and on and on. There's a yeah. long list, yeah. And uh, they take this personally. Mm-hmm. They understand because they grew up here. Yeah, they know what the co-op is and how it behaves. Right. And so we're seeing things with with the millions of details that we're dealing with with this project. There are times when we we build a small piece of it and we look at it and we're like. Okay, that looked good on paper, but in reality, we want to we want to yeah. change that. And and we've had an architect stand up and say, you know what, I could have caught that. I'm going to change that on my dime mm. because they wow. understand yeah. what a a co-op is. They understand our not for profit mm-hmm. uh, mentality, and and uh, it's just really indicative of the of the fine folks we've been working with yeah. on the project. So I couldn't be more proud, and and uh, certainly looking forward to. Uh, getting the project done. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I'm I'm curious about is uh, uh, what are your employees looking forward to the most about the new building? Is there something that uh, you you keep hearing over and over that they're excited to see in the new building? Sure. Obviously, having a comfortable space to interact with our members and having a little more privacy to be able to do that because mm-hmm. sometimes we work with sensitive issues with our membership. And so we'll have some rooms set aside if we need to meet with a member one-on-one in a more of a private setting for yeah. their comfort. So that's a big one. And then keep in mind that we were working in like three older buildings that were tied together mm-hmm. over the decades. And so there were a lot of issues inherent with that. Uh, along the north wall where I used to be, uh, the wind, when it would blow, it would be so loud on the building that I would have difficulty making a phone call. Really? And it would be, hmm. and there were sometimes in the wintertime, it'd be maybe 48, 49, 50 degrees along the wall in those mm-hmm. offices. And, and then uh, we also had uh, issues with water and, mm-hmm. and with the ice on the roof and how it moved the old roof. And, and so we literally had... Uh, you know, parts of ceilings laying on desks and computers because they were wet with yeah. with rain, and yeah. and so it was cheaper to to build new than it was to to keep what we had. And then it's also nice having garages today 
yeah. that, that the line trucks actually fit into. Yeah, and that part of the project is complete, correct? Uh, the, the the big uh, the big garage is done. Yes. So the one large garage is done, and then there's a new vehicle maintenance facility that's practically done at mm-hmm. this point. And then there is another garage that is still under construction for some of the what we call regular size vehicles. Yeah. And uh, so that'll be another couple months before that's wrapped up. Yeah. Um, what do you think customers will notice? Uh, what's the biggest difference that you think your your members? I, I keep calling them customers, but they're actually members. Uh, what will your members notice about the new building? Ease of use is, and then a separation from they can they can enter and exit the facility without having to worry about the large trailers and and the, with the, all the utility poles on them, the large tandem axle trucks that are coming and going, they'll have separate entrances. Mm-hmm. So it'll be ease of use, more comfort, and hopefully it'll be a more inviting environment. And of course the members are gonna benefit from the three new community rooms that are adjoining to each other that yeah. that we're uh, constructing there. So you will continue to have community rooms? Oh, absolutely, yeah. and, and we can handle uh, a, a lot more individuals in that space, and, yeah. and so you know that's open to uh, nonprofits, uh, benevolent groups, mm-hmm. and also uh, public entities like schools, yeah. counties, cities, etc. Yeah. Very good. Been in that room a lot, a lot of times over the years, and so I know it's well used, and um, that's uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, I know that there were um, among the frequently asked questions, there was a lot of concern about the the Christmas tree out front, uh, but that has remained untouched. Is that correct? Correct. And <laughs> I checked it yesterday. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know uh, what the species of that tree is. It's not your typical Christmas tree. Well, I consider it an alive species. <laughs> right. And so if somebody wants to go deeper than that, that's fine. But that's that's where my interest lies. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's kind of uh, a great Columbia tradition to go by and, and see the tree. It's always decorated yeah. very beautifully at Christmas, and it's yeah. just a, it's a cool yeah. uh, thing, a cool tradition in our community. We, we've had a lot of fun with that because over the years, it's like we put a bunch of Christmas lights on it, and mm-hmm. we looked at it, and we're like, you know, there's still technically space to put more lights on it, and so the next year we'll put more lights on it, and then we'll look at it again. Well, technically, that space is still divisible by two. Right. <laughs> and so we've had to change the electrical service out oh, there, and then I we bet. went to the higher-efficient LED yeah. lights, yep. And, yep. and we would encourage our members to do the same, yep. you know, to conserve, be smart with your use of, of energy, but still enjoy the use of it. And yeah. we, with, when it comes to that tree, we certainly have, and we, we do have a backup tree that we're nurturing there ah. and uh, so we've got a succession plan for the christmas oh, tree good. in place that's good so i think that uh, maybe we should just back up a little bit and i think that probably people uh don't understand sort of the breadth and uh, scope of boone electric cooperative uh do you mind just sort of telling us some of the numbers uh the, the numbers of members and the area that you cover but give people a better understanding of what it is that the Boone Electric Cooperative uh, is and does? Sure. And we certainly have grown up over the decades uh, since we were formed, uh, I believe, back in 1936. And and uh, today, uh, the... We serve just north of 34,000 accounts, and so that's grown significantly even in the 15 years that I've been here. Uh, on the books, asset-wise right now, it's about $200 million. That'll go up a little bit as uh, we wrap up the headquarters project and take over the ownership of that asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, annual revenue right now from the members, and keep in mind we do serve a few very large industrial accounts, mm-hmm. uh, about $68 million in revenue is what flows through the co-op and as a not-for-profit again the board 
is is very careful to look at that and anything that we retain at the end of the year uh, for our for our own needs to to help drive down rates in the future is yeah. is taken care of uh, in a custodial manner and then the rest is is uh, retired out to the to the membership and I look for that. Uh, tradition to to continue. We've mm-hmm. we've got about a hundred employees. We often will contract out uh, with other organizations for intermittent or temporary needs, mm-hmm. and we do serve in uh, six counties. So other than Boone, where we're headquartered, we serve in Audrain and Callaway, as well as Howard Monroe and Randolph counties. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of the system is still overhead, and uh, but. Just probably in the neighborhood of 38, 39, 40% of our system is now underground. Hmm. And really? uh, so oh, we, that's interesting. that yeah. trend has been been growing, mm-hmm. and uh, we've noticed that now for the last several years. And and we'll see, I think, more and more of that down down the road, especially on the distribution system, which we consider the, the lower voltage system. Yeah. And yeah. in that neighborhood of, of uh, 7,200 volts. Yeah. So, kind of an off uh, uh random question here but you you mentioned undergrounding and and uh, uh a lot of talk about the grain belt express uh, uh line uh, that is controversial with a lot of people but uh is that that type of transmission line can that be undergrounded is is that something that is uh that has to be above ground what what, what are the requirements there yeah it not only needs to be above ground but it needs to be uh high up uh, okay. and uh and so that voltage um, the the distance and the voltage are are related, and so the higher the voltage, really the higher you need to okay. to have it removed. And and really, the worst place to put something like that is in the ground because that's that's where the current's trying to get to. Mm-hmm. And ah, so yeah. we, that's essentially what we do is we create a path to ground through folks' homes mm-hmm. through a resistive device, and uh, that current sees that path to the to the ground. And it ends up passing through your appliance or motor or light or yeah. whatever on its way to the ground because it says, hey, I see the ground. Here I go. Mm-hmm. But as it travels, it creates work for us. It, yeah. And so you, so it, it really tries hard to get back to the earth, back to the ground. And so you really want it removed because over time with degradation, moisture, movement of the ground, disturbances on the ground, if there's even the tiniest little bit of a fracture or fissure or some kind of issue in the insulation or concrete or whatever that line's encased in Mm -hmm. that that current will eventually find a way to get to the ground and when it does with that type of voltage uh it it leaves a big mark yeah i bet one of the other uh big boone county traditions has always been your has always been your annual uh uh picnic or annual meeting i guess is really what it's called uh what are your thoughts this year on the uh, it normally happens during the summer it seems like but it looks like uh, according to your website it might be a little bit later this year in september yes it is and uh yeah so first of all yeah we're really looking forward to seeing the members it's one of the it's one of the most fun days we have during mm-hmm. the year and we're going to do it at the headquarters site the new headquarters it'll be a, a drive-through annual meeting so our members will remain in their vehicles but they'll get kind of a little mini tour as we route them through the property yeah. and then they'll be going through that large vehicle storage building that we've got out back it's not visible from the main road mm-hmm. most of the campus is not visible interesting only the the community room and the and the main headquarters building so they'll come through it's september 15th 
It's a Thursday. It's all day long. It's going to start at 7, 7 a.m., and it will go until 6 p.m., and we'll be giving away $25 electric credits for those that register and show yeah. up and then have the opportunity to vote for the, for the directors. We'll talk more about that with Todd Cauley when we come back uh, from this break on the CEO Roundtable, 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Right before the break, we were talking with Todd Cauley about uh, the annual meeting that's coming up on September 15th. And, and of course, uh, as you mentioned, uh, part of that meeting uh, is sort of it's a virtual meeting, but it, it allows you to sort of take a a car tour uh, from your vehicle through the brand new campus, the brand new building old campus brand new building and on and the uh, outlying facilities uh and you, you mentioned that there is an incentive for people to attend the annual meeting that's right the board authorized a 25 dollar electric credit for those members that show up and and uh, we're hoping that by the time they come in to the time they exit might be within 10 minutes or so yeah and so that's, we're that's an easy way to make 25 bucks plus uh, don't you feed people uh, we have historically yeah. this year. It's just going to be a drive-through, oh, okay. and so it's quick in and out. Yeah, um, we we'll certainly do surveys after the meeting to see what our members are interested in, and mm-hmm. because they own us, and, right. and seeing what they want to do long term, and and uh, and it's it, ultimately it's a decision that the the board would make. You know, whether every five years for a milestone anniversary, do we want to do a a sit down meeting or yeah. not? There's lots of variables here that are possible, and obviously over the last couple of years we've learned to do things a little bit differently yeah, and yeah. and uh, we've become more flexible and and uh, sometimes at our liking and yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that yeah, yeah you learn uh, you you live and learn i um one of the things that's been uh, talked a lot about in uh at the city level and the, of course the city of columbia owns their own uh utility electric utility but there's really been sort of this growing debate about the viability of uh, renewable energy. And I think that um, there have been some former city employees that have gotten up and, and testified at city council meetings that maybe our uh, goals to become a certain percentage renewable by a certain date are a bit ambitious. And, and it sounds like in some respects the jury or the viability of renewable energy maybe isn't what it will be uh isn't what today what it will stations, be and uh, that's going to continue to evolve and, and maybe our goals are too ambitious but how do you as, as someone who directs a large co-op like this how, how do you view renewable sustainable energy what is what what is your approach how does that factor into your business plan sure it's a great question it's something we're going to hear more and more about uh, going forward, a lot of the the goals, uh, renewable energy goals uh, that are out there nationally, because it's beyond just our footprint here and, mm-hmm. and with our friends with the city. But a lot of those goals are truly, in my opinion, simply aspirational. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's not that they're bad, right. because we all like to be inspired. We're all creative. We mm-hmm. like to to do a lot of R&D and develop. It's kind of, it's an innate characteristic, I think, of being human. And so mm-hmm. we're going to continue to see that through our national association. We invest, uh, we spend money with with scientists that are looking to develop new battery stations, technologies, etc. I think you're going to see Fox more and more of that. But it, during the interim is where we're seeing the bumps mm-hmm. and and the issues. And, and so renewables 
they they're like children. They they have personalities. Mm-hmm. Now your traditional coal-fired power plant, it's like a child too. It's got its personality. Mm-hmm. And same with gas-fired and hydro and the rest. And and uh, and so what you're basically seeing is how do how do the personalities serve the market? Mm-hmm. And and renewables are pretty consistent in that they cannot provide power 24-7, 365. They're not dispatchable, per se, on a regular enough basis to have a lot of value to some of us in the industry because we can't count on them to to produce. Yeah, it has to be a 100% reliable for you. So, yes, and so yeah. we, for environmental reasons, we've retired a lot of these older coal-fired assets that run 24-7. You've got all the fuel Fox sitting News, in the front I'm yard, mm-hmm. right? The you FBI might have 50, is 60 days of coal stacked up in a mountain in your front yard and power organizations. So we're replacing the those with, increasing with in both uh, numbers solar and energy and wind energy that doesn't run 24-7. And it's as simple as that. You take a unit that runs 24-7 and you replace it with one that doesn't. And make up for the difference, the Justice you simply add soon enough. more of that Senator same Tom personality on the renewable side doesn't run 24-7. So it doesn't resolve the issue when we have hot weather or cold weather like we do right now. we're having alerts around the country as you and I sit here between the utilities of how close are we. Can we maintain reliability on the system? And the big factor there is we've We've shut down a lot of that base load, which is primarily coal, and, mm-hmm. and replaced it with part-time intermittent, which is primarily renewable. But again, we're, we're, I'm not, and we're not anti-renewable. We're just saying you got to understand the characteristics, yeah. operational yeah. characteristics, that yeah. I'm calling personality yeah. of of those units. And and uh, again, I, it's it's an evolving market. We're going to see this. It's going to take a six, seven, eight years probably to get through the bumps that are ahead of us. Yeah, you, uh, Boone Electric, sent out a notice this week uh, encouraging people uh, in in light of the uh, expected weather this week uh, to uh, conserve uh, where they could. Um, what what prompts an announcement like that or an alert? Is that something that is? Uh, do you see something? Uh, down in the pipeline that says, "Yeah, if we continue at this rate or the the expected rate, we're going to have an issue." What 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 prompted that alert this week? Yeah, so we have grid operators, and of course, we are a part owner and associated electric cooperative mm-hmm. in uh, Springfield, Missouri, and and they own the generation units and keep track. And then we're also a member of Central Power, which has the transmission side there in Jeff City. Mm-hmm. And uh, and through those two entities, they they pay close attention to what are the real time conditions and what are the twenty four hour ahead conditions in the next few days. The conditions, and so they'll know. They knew a few days ago that the wind was going to die down this afternoon and tomorrow, especially mm-hmm. tomorrow, mm-hmm. up in Northwest Missouri and that whole region. And so as it does, they're like, okay, we know how many megawatts are coming off the system, and we need to be able to make that up. Can anybody make those up? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have anybody out there that can make it up. Then you're going to start asking for var- voluntary uh, conservation measures, which we started to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and generally speaking, those have been successful. So I do want to say thank you to the members that are listening because mm-hmm. we have seen uh, that improve the the situation out there for us across mm-hmm. the state. Uh, but again, I'm not forecasting any big issues, or I don't s- foresee any big issues uh, around here uh, or around the state of Missouri. 
uh, this year. I'm not saying it's not possible, but we are relatively better positioned than what some of our neighbors are around, especially the eastern side of the Midwest and, and then down south to the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. So what is the worst that can happen? Uh, the Basically, the, the power just goes off. The, the grid fails. Uh, the, there's not enough uh, supply to keep it going. What, what happens? Under an extreme situation where you had that much demand, we'd probably have a, a little bit of a, a warning. Now, the public would know because all the utilities would be saying, hey, be careful, reduce yeah. and reduce. And we're, mm-hmm. we've seen a little bit of that right now. But, you know, if it went so far as, as you know, we literally need to get load offline in a very short amount of time. Uh, and they do that to avoid a cascading effect that we've seen decades ago, especially in New England. And, yeah. Uh, what would happen is is uh, the switches would be opened at the substations to to cut the demand and 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 we're sensitive to that obviously we we're we strategically would know what areas to there's a there's a there's a list there we certainly want to provide the least um, we want to make it as easy on the public as right. possible yeah. overall. And so, worst case scenario, you know, well, that's up to our imagination, right? But, yeah. but I think more realistically, you could see, um, you know, rotating outages, um, maybe lasting several hours at a time, yeah. type of a thing. Uh, again, I'm not anticipating seeing that uh, this year uh, here, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to hear about it in two, three, four days somewhere in the U.S. Yeah. it's having having to do that because yeah. there's some pretty, there's some areas out there that have very tight reserve margins right, right. now. Right. So again, yeah. I would just tell folks, just think about this like you do inclement weather. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're getting, if you're hearing from the weather service that they're saying, hey, we might get ice in a couple days, then uh, it's not unwise to keep fuel in your gas tank. And, yeah. That type of thing, and and uh, stay in touch with your friends and loved ones, and and just treat it like inclement weather. And again, yeah. again, I'd be surprised to see anything happen here. Yeah, uh, when you uh, have these types of, of of scenarios, and we've seen rolling brownouts over the years, and in, in other parts of the country, and so forth. Um, I, I guess my my question really uh, goes back to that coal powered uh, plant. Uh, are we still getting the lion's share of our electricity, of our energy, from coal-powered plants? Uh, from coal, gas, and nuclear Okay, is, is where you're seeing it. And gas is playing more and more of a role. Natural gas. That is correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we're looking at building uh, two new natural gas-fired uh, electric generators. And so we've made that announcement. They're going to be approximately 400 megawatts each. Yeah. And, is uh, that Boone Electric or the Rural Electric Cooperative? Through Associated Electric okay. Cooperative, of okay. which Boone is is a, a member, member and yeah. a and a part a part owner. Do they have Thomas Hill Lake? Is that their plant at Thomas Hill? Yeah, Lake? Okay. yeah. There's there's three units uh, at Thomas Hill, mm-hmm. and uh, those are owned by Associated Electric, right? And, uh, and that serves you know as you know into Central Missouri, and mm-hmm. and then occasionally they can sell power out of state or to other neighboring utilities. So, yeah. Of which we keep, you know, close relationship with. Sure, absolutely. Um, one of the things that uh, there's been a lot of talk uh, in in recent weeks and months about uh, electric vehicles. Um, I noticed today, maybe you don't want me outing you, uh, but uh, you pulled up an electric vehicle, um, a hybrid vehicle, maybe. Um, 
so well, tell me what's happened uh, since our last visit. It's, it's been uh, probably eight or nine months since you and I last visited, but what? how has that evolved? I mean, there was a, a big issue with, with storage, uh, you know, the batteries, and I think that there, we've, we've heard from some, you know, uh, emergency responders that these batteries are creating a little bit of a problem from a, a hazard you know with accidents and so forth but uh what what's happened we hear a lot about electric vehicles the manufacturers are talking about how they're really ramping up production to do this um what's what's changed since you and i last visited i think some of the manufacturers are coming around to realizing that there's not enough electric generation in the country to electrify the transportation fleet mm. Uh, so yeah, so some of the early modeling on it suggests that we need. So you look at the total power production capacity we have in the United States today. You would need to triple that level to then apply that to electrify the transportation fleet, hmm. and then you'd have to keep the existing level to serve our needs today. And as you can tell, we're having yeah. difficulty keeping up during this time of transition. Mm-hmm. So I now again I do see more and more electric vehicles and and hybrid systems or maybe they get into power units like you see in in formula one racing where it's a combination of of both not too dissimilar from from what i'm in today Mm -hmm. and uh, so i i there's a lot of benefits to electric vehicles um they've got some outstanding characteristics there's a lot of issues with them uh, I think it's going to be decades before we really start to see it penetrate. Even in California today, only 1% of the vehicles are electric. Hmm. And, uh, yeah. and so I, d- I don't think you're going to see numbers too dissimilar from that over the next 15, 20 years, to yeah. be honest with you. So really, when you hear Ford and GM talk about ramping up production, it's uh, uh, they might be a bit ahead of the curve if if they're talking about doing this immediately. Yeah, it's it's going to force the utilities to have to keep up with that demand yeah. if the regulators approve it. And so right now, to look at what we'd have to do to build a transmission system and a generation plant s- systems out there to meet that need, when you think about how hard it is to run a single power line across the state, and yeah. we'd need thousands of those power lines, my best guess is you're honestly, you're probably looking at 100 years to... Wow. To, to get that kind of capacity yeah. out there. And that's not meant to be an inflammatory statement. That's right. just looking at the facts. Yeah. We are visiting with Todd Cawley, who is the general manager and CEO of Boone Electric Cooperative. We've been talking about their new headquarters that is uh, will be opening uh, hopefully later this year at the intersection of Rangeland and I-70. And uh, we've been talking about the power grid and uh, electronic vehicles. When we come back, we're going to uh, be talking more a little bit about uh, infrastructure and some of the challenges associated with running an electric cooperative these days. Please stay tuned. We're visiting with Todd Cawley from Boone Electric Cooperative. This is a CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. Who's that whispering in the trees? It's two cities and they're only pipes and chains and swinging hands. Who's your daddy? Yes, I am. Bad cat came to play. Now you can't run fast enough. You best stay away when the pushers come to shove. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle.
And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend, visiting with Todd Cauley, who is the general manager and CEO of the Boone Electric Cooperative. Uh, we've covered a lot of interesting ground here uh, today, but I um, something that you mentioned during the break that uh, I'd love to hear more about is is the idea of, of nuclear energy. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting... Um, you know, people my age, uh, we grew up uh, with Chernobyl and Three Mile Island, and so we have this uh, probably uh, unrealistic fear about nuclear energy and nuclear power. Um, the truth is, um, my guess is that nuclear energy is might be among the most efficient and safest forms of energy that we can be generating. Um, And this is your hourly audio. You have mentioned that your association is looking at nuclear power. Talk talk a little bit about that and and just what is your take as someone who really understands this business? What is your take on on, uh, uh, nuclear power as a source of energy? FN local. I Drop think network. you're going to see Relay uh, three, much FN more of it commercial. Uh, in 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, Associated Electric, again, down in Springfield, has signed a memor- uh, memorandum of understanding with two uh, manufacturers. And so stay tuned for some of the specific information there. But they're going to be looking at these small modular reactors, uh, that, you know, state-of-the-art technology. They're smaller mm-hmm. units, but they can be stacked. Um, in in you know several units in one site, so you can grow as you need to grow. Yeah, interesting. And so I look, I've looked for us to see much more about that here uh, in the next year or two. Uh, again, that's probably twelve years out mm-hmm. if it was to go smoothly. Yeah. And uh, I don't know of a nuclear power plant that has gone smoothly in the planning <laughs> and construction business over, since at least the seventies. Yeah. Uh, but but I do think that is a future technology. Uh, that we're all going to see. I think you're going to see what we call a gas bridge being built. And so you'll see less coal, uh, more renewables, more natural gas. It has half the carbon footprint of what coal does. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then eventually nuclear. And then maybe uh, in 50, 60 years, we can start to taper off on the natural gas side. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's kind of where the market's going to go. It's going to get smarter. You're going to see more battery development and enhancements there mm-hmm. and uh, smart systems that are communicating and and uh, and all that. How, how does the United States compare to other parts of the civilized world in terms of energy production? Um, are we uh, are we laggards? Are we, are we ahead of the curve? Or what? What what do you see happening in terms of a comparison? I'd say we're ahead of the median, okay. uh, for sure. It, it depends on. There's so many different ways you can do that comparative analysis. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now they're building. I forget how many large coal facilities in China, and they're <laughs> they got all this production, and they're building anything and everything, and mm-hmm. it's go 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 go. Yeah, and uh, and of course in in Europe. Uh, in in some of those countries there, you're seeing uh, you know a reduction of carbon intensive uh, generation facilities. You're seeing more renewables, and you're also seeing 30, 35 cents a kilowatt hour, and so it's driving a lot of growth out. And so there's a balancing act. So how does that compare? 30, 35 cents a kilowatt? About three times. Really? Yeah, probably in the okay. neighborhood of three times. And okay. and and uh, and so and then, but any more, what we're starting to hear about is yes, affordability is very important to us, especially from a cooperative standpoint. Mm-hmm. And uh, but also, we're hearing from our members that reliability is becoming more and more important to them. So, for example, I heard somebody at the gas pump say, "Gosh, I'm paying." Five fifty a gallon mm-hmm. for gas, and some and and the other guy was like, "Yeah, but but you're buying it, 
you've you've <laughs> right. got, you've got it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I know that it's it just seems ridiculous where those prices are. Mm-hmm. But when you especially if you look at our capacities and our and our skill sets that we've got in this country and our abilities to problem solve in this yeah. country, it's like you know. So yeah. that's a and we're not here to be in the political business right. at all. We're just here to meet people's needs and. And uh, so, it's, it, you know, energy is all of a sudden here in the last couple of years become quite dynamic. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's kind of a new thing. Yeah. It's, I noticed last night at the at the gas pump uh, that, uh, you know, we've gone through really two or three years of, of incivility towards other people. But uh, I've noticed that we're all talking at the gas pump to each other. Uh, we're all having contests about uh, who's going to have the highest uh, dollar amount. But it, it's, it's interesting that it has sparked an unusual amount of conversation uh, at gas pumps where people normally don't talk to each other so sure you know, right? when when there's a common enemy or a right. common threat then <laughs> birds of a feather quickly right. stick together <laughs> that's right so uh w- one of the things that uh you uh have been very active in the community in your 15 years here very active in economic development and and uh uh but uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Boone Electric Community Trust because that is something that I uh, I see uh, popping up that really uh, helps a lot of very important community causes. But tell people what, what the Boone Electric uh, Community Trust is. Sure. So each year when the board retires patronage capital to the membership, invariably we have some members that have moved away and, and we can't find them. And mm-hmm. we do this search. And, and uh, so we go all through all these steps to get these monies back to to the owners yeah and if some if they're for one reason or another if you can't get that owner you know you can't find that owner what do you do with those assets well the state's got rules on that mm-hmm. right yep. how you turn that over yeah but for us if we form you know with the trust that was formed i believe back around 98 i've got stats back to mm-hmm. 1998 we can take those monies and lay them in that trust and have an independent group of trustees uh disperse that to nonprofits, uh, benevolent groups, et cetera, uh, that qualify. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, you can find it on the website and see the, the types of things that they support. And, uh, and then in addition to that, we have got a program called Operation Roundup that our members can voluntarily uh, sign up for, and we'll round up your utility bill to the next dollar yeah. each month. And then those dollars go in to support that trust. Mm-hmm. And so there's an independent group of trustees. So it's it's separate from the administration mm-hmm. and the governance, as you know, it at Boone Electric Cooperative is to, to avoid any conflicts of interest there. Uh, I know last year they gave out around $300,000. Wow. It's, it's north of $4 million total so far since at least 98. Mm-hmm. And then in addition, they give out scholarships uh, for students. Yeah. And uh, usually that's in the neighborhood of $26,000. I think yeah. they get out of 12, 13 scholarships a yeah. year. When do people surrender their money if, when they, after they can't be found for a number of years? Or is there a, it's a in that, number? It's in that two to three year time okay. frame. I mean, yeah. we, at, at some point in there, there's a, I can't remember what the statute reads where it has to be, I believe, turned over to the state. And so our yeah. finance and accounting people stay really closely attuned to the age of that asset yeah. and make sure that they can keep ownership of that asset to then turn over to the trust. And then at that point, the, yeah. tru- the trustees are, are to take care of it. Yeah. So one of the things that you and I have talked about uh, uh, um, extensively it's just uh, the the quality of broadband in in rural parts of uh, our county and and uh, our area but uh, i've noticed uh, that um, 
uh, Boone Electric is is working with uh, Viasat Satellite uh, Internet. Tell us a little bit about Satellite Internet. Uh, I've been hearing great things about it, but what, what's been your early uh, reaction to that? So having access to some type of broadband is is really critically important to most of us. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so here in the area, there are several existing service providers that provide that. And we look closely at getting into the business ourselves a number of years ago, did an exhaustive study over a couple years, and, and we've revisited that a couple times mm-hmm. to say, is that still the right decision? And, and unequivocally, the answer was yes. Mm-hmm. Now, in some more rural areas, that made sense for some of the electric co-ops to, to get into that for some natural reasons, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do have some areas uh, in our six-county service territory that, that are lacking, and I, there's some people out there right now saying, oh, yeah, I'm one of them. Yep. I write you every month. and yep. Right? Okay. So for that, yes, they can call us. We do have the Viasat option. It's a traditional satellite-based option. You can use it, and you can stream high def without it having an issue, as long as you've got line of sight between you and the satellite. It's got a latency issue with it, so you're not going to do like live gaming. Yeah, and so it's not good for the folks that like to do mm-hmm. uh, live gaming. But it will meet the need otherwise. So we've got three packages there. They start around seventy dollars a month, and go up from there. So now, since then, and we knew this was coming. There's new satellite technology from a low Earth orbiting right satellite. So because it's so much closer to the surface of the ground you don't have that latency issue that you do with the traditional satellite. Right. So on the flip side, though, that low Earth orbiting satellite's got to be moving really quickly to stay in orbit. Mm-hmm. And so they're constantly streaming over through the Starlink yeah. program. And, uh, and that's Elon Musk, is that correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. And right. so we, we've got some members uh, of our cooperative that are now uh, customers of Starlink, mm-hmm. and, and we've heard really good reviews yeah. from that. And so that's another option. Uh, uh, for that member that doesn't have uh, the traditional access to high-speed internet. Yeah, it, it, we're in kind of a difficult position here in, in Boone County or in this area because you have such a high saturation of, of residents in in the core part of our community that it's very attractive to private uh, uh, ISP internet service provider companies to to provide service. But when you get to the point where where homes are a mile apart, which is a, a Pretty common uh, in parts of, of uh, these rural counties around us. Four minutes stations. Uh, it, four it's minutes really away not, from your next uh, Fox News viable top of the hour to provide uh, broadband uh, to those those households. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And you know, with the cooperative, it's one member, one vote. Yeah. We're democratically owned and controlled and yep. governed, as you, yep. as you know. But to get to that rural member who desperately needs it, yep. we have to go head-to-head with an incumbent that already yep. provides that service right here in town. Yep. And usually it's a it's an incumbent that operates in multiple states. Yep. So they've got a very deep balance sheet. Yep. And it's easy for them to undercut us for three, four, five years on yep. price so that our subsidiary operation under the core umbrella of electric can't cash flow. Yeah. And that's my understanding is that most of the uh, electric cooperatives that are, are providing internet service uh, are not really cash flowing. They're, they're, this is a, sort of well, a, 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 a it's a losing proposition for them in some respects. It's in some regards, yes, but more and more of them are making it work as Three they can stations. get more Three folks in that rural area. Mm-hmm. Now, the yes, there's newscast. been some help at the federal level financially yep, sure. for a lot of them to do that, but but that's not too different from how co-ops 
originally formed. Now, we never received grants to get electric out in, when we first started out into the country, uh, but we had low-interest loans. Mm-hmm. and that So there's a little bit of a wrinkle there that makes it different, but yeah. there are some co-ops that, that truly don't have that high level of competition or another alternative for their members yeah. that, that can make the broadband work. Yeah. So it's it's a challenge, no no question about it. So uh, we let's give our, our we got about a minute left here. Let's give our listeners one more uh, reminder about the annual meeting coming up, and uh, they can watch their mail for that. Yes, uh, grab your calendars. Mark Thursday, September fifteenth, seven a.m. to six p.m. at fourteen thirteen Rangeline Street here in Columbia at the main headquarters, and it'll be a drive-through annual stations, meeting where you get to stay in your car from your and uh, you'll get, receive a uh, twenty-five dollar electric credit for for being there. And you'll also have the opportunity to to vote for uh, the directors that are up for election this yeah. year. Very good. Todd Cawley, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, always interesting to find out what you're up to and uh, the many issues that are involved in being the general manager and CEO of uh, Electric Cooperative. But thank you for your time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. We'll be back next weekend with another edition of the CEO Roundtable. Thank you for tuning in this weekend. This is Fred Perry signing off for the CEO Roundtable show on 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city.